the 4th of July always, it kind of sneaks up on us, I think, a lot of times. Like, it's right in the middle of the summer, so like school, you don't have the countdown to it necessarily. Like Christmas, everybody's looking forward to Christmas because it means they got a break. Teachers especially, right? Um, Parents, maybe not. But anyway, um, we always have these kind of countdowns to holidays, but 4th of July kind of sneaks up on us. But one of the ways that I find that we know it's coming is just we watch, if we watch TV. If you start watching TV, you start seeing more and more red, white, and blue pop up. On Thursday night, I'm sure it, we did one of the most American things possible. We, we blew stuff up with fireworks, right? Um, like it's just, it, it feels like leading up to the 4th of July, there's, you have to kind of pay attention. The fireworks stand, right? Somebody's gonna be getting together, a barbecue, I'm sure. There's the, and then, of course, television. I think Captain America this week played like 12 times, just because it's like to show that American pride that we have, that like we can, we can defend ourselves against anything. One movie that I saw that came on this past week that I hadn't seen in a while, that, that struck me in a new way this week, was Saving Private Ryan. Now, Saving Private Ryan, if you haven't seen it, there's this man, there's this, there's this woman who has four sons three of which die in the invasion of Normandy on D-Day. So there's a group of soldiers that go out to save Private Ryan so that she doesn't lose all of her sons. In the movie, it's a really touching movie. It's really, it's really like, it's a big tearjerker kind of movie, a lot of action. So it's got a little bit for everything, everybody, but the big thing that I've noticed is the first 20 minutes of that movie really, really are powerful. Because you see from the soldier's perspective what D-Day was like. Now to give you a little history lesson, what was going on is that the Nazi occupation of France had gone all the way to the coast. And they were just across the English Channel. And they had taken over all of France. Germany had invaded France and basically forced everybody out. And the Allied forces were going were gonna to commit to an attack across the English Channel. And when it came time to do it, it was June 4th, June 6th, 1944. And they did, an allied, the Allied troops came in and they were facing Hitler's basically Great Wall. It was concrete structures with machine guns, booby traps all throughout the sand, trenches were dug, mines, explosions, different obstacles that were gonna make it harder and harder for the soldiers to come up and to invade and to take back France. In the movie, what it does is, at the beginning, it puts you in the boat, on your way to France. It puts you in the boat, right next to other, other troops, and you see a bunch of different things going on. You see some praying, you see some scared. Well, all of them, to some extent, were scared. Some were ready to fight, it looked like. And I couldn't help but think when I was watching it, watching it, man, I don't know how I would react. Like these men, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, were on a boat going to what is the front line of a war that pretty much ensured certain death. And they're moving ever so slowly towards the coast. And they can see it off in the horizon, and the buildings and the structures become more and more formed. 
until they get right up on the sand on the bank, the front of the boat drops, they charge out, and literally all hell breaks loose. I don't know if I could have been on that front line. Honestly, I don't, I don't think I could have been out there charging the beach on the front line. See, I'm on that, I would rather be in the back. I'd rather be the guy that, like, I'm gonna bring you more bullets. <laughs> bring you a burger later, like, like whatever you need, I'm gonna help you out. But I don't wanna be on the front line because the front line is dangerous. The front line is gonna cost something. The front line is gonna actually, may ask for my life. I'd rather be in the back where it's safe. It might be a little bit easier. Still get the glory, but it's a little bit easier. You see, I think a lot of times in our, in, in our church, this, this image can be used, an image can be used that might seem almost irreverent to the sacrifice of the men and women who, who fight for our country and that we remember on the 4th of July and we think on the 4th of July, but there's an image that we use of a battle being fought. Now, D-Day was you had earthly life and earthly death. You had physical life and physical death that was two very, very real options on that beach. Well, in our church, in our world, when we live our faith, it's not physical life and death, but it's spiritual or eternal life and death that we face. They go by other words, heaven, hell. And make no, make no mistake that every one of us, by virtue of our baptism, are thrown out on to the front line. Every one of us are thrown out on the front line, in the boat, on our way to the battle. Every time our church meets our culture. We're on the front lines. The question is, what kind of soldiers are we? There was, an, there was a, uh, an author that wrote a book about evangelization, and at the very beginning, he puts out this question, and he says, your answer to this question is going to determine if you should even continue reading the book. It's in his introduction. He said, there's two options ahead of you, and you have to pick one. The first option, when it comes to evangelization, when it comes to a cause, would you want 100 people who are 90% committed? 90% in after that cause? Or do you want 10 people who are 100% committed to the cause? Let me break it down. 100 people at 90% committed. Man, 100 people is a lot of people. 100 people can get a lot going, a lot done, a lot accomplished, absolutely but they're 90% in. 90% looks like, man, I wanna be there, but I wanna be on the back line. 90% is, I'm ready to fight, as long as the cost isn't too much. 90% is, I'm gonna go just as far as it is until it's not comfortable. 10 people who are 100% invested now, they're not turning back. There is no retreat. There is no failure. There is no question that we're going. And if it costs my life, so be it. I'm in. A hundred percent. No exit clause. 
It was once said that in, in, in a fight, the guy who's willing to die is going to be the one who's going to win. And while 90%, I'm not willing to die. 100%, it doesn't matter. Everything else is secondary, even my own life. And if our battle is not against flesh and bone, but against principalities and, and, and the devil himself, like if our battle is against hell and hellfire and darkness and pain and struggle in this world, then our battle, we're called to fight it on the front lines. We're called to be 100% invested by our Lord. Because that's what he did 2,000 years ago with these 72 people he talks about in the gospel. 72 72 people from 2,000 years ago were sent out by God, were sent out by Jesus, were empowered by the Holy Spirit, and sent out to the front lines of evangelization in the Near East, and 2,000 years later, we're in a church because of them. 2,000 years later, we're reading a book about them. We're hearing the story about them. We're hearing about their commitment, their yes, their 100% let's go, no no backup plan, I'm in kind of commitment. 72 people 2,000 years ago built a church. So my question is, just imagine what 72 people could look like for our community. Just imagine with 72 disciples who are gonna unapologetically live the Christian faith, that are gonna not say sorry for anything, that I'm Catholic and I'm proud of it and I'm willing to bring the church where culture is, even if that it means that there's a battle. That there's no out clause. Not 90%, not the back line, the front line. Completely and totally given over to God. Just imagine what it could do to our community. Imagine what, it, what our schools would look like. Imagine what our families would come to look like, our workplace. Because make no mistake, brothers and sisters, this is where we're called to fight that battle. Our battle's not, hopefully not going to be on a beach in France somewhere. But the battle of evangelization happens in our house. And if you have a question about that, wait until Thanksgiving and bring up your faith with your relatives. Because that uncle that you don't like, he's probably going to be there. Or that, that niece of yours that, that like goes off to college and cuts her hair and like starts coming up with all kinds of crazy ideas, she's going to be there. Just letting you know. This is where the battle of our faith is, where we stand for truth and goodness and right. Where we stand for our church, where we stand for the truth, where we stand for what it is that God has done in my life and in yours, like we we stand at that point, strong on the front lines. That battle is fought in our workplace. When the water cooler conversation takes a left turn. When the things that we do after work might not be the best. It takes place in our schools. When our kids go back to school, there's going to be that kid that no one really likes. It's kind of awkward. Hi, I was him. No. Um, it, there's going to be that kid. Our kid, are we, as young disciples, willing to go and to, to love that person, even when it's not popular? 
or the one who's getting made fun of, are we willing to shut down the conversation? Even when it's not the most popular thing. You see, every one of us is called to evangelize where we are. Every one of us is called, we all have our particular mission field, our particular battlefield to be sent out to. And the beautiful thing is, is that when we come to this Mass, we come not, to just sell, not, to be, not just to be strengthened by the sacrament that we receive, not just to come and pray to God that He may strengthen us and send us out and let us know where to go, but we also come to celebrate because we've won. The second half of the Gospel today talks about how the 72 came back and they were fired up. Why? Because they won. Because the words that they said, the, even the demons listened to them. The people that were possessed were saved. The people that needed healing were healed. Because they won. And it was because the power of the Holy Spirit had entered their life that they had a relationship with God that was strong enough to compel even the darkest to leave and be brightened by the light. This is our call. This is who we are as Catholics, as baptized Catholics in our church. We're called to be that evangelization again. We're called to go out into our families, into our homes, into our community, and to be that kind of evangelizers. To share the gospel, to share the good news, to share what it is that God has done for me with those around me. It's going to cost, and it does cost. But the Lord didn't ask for us, but the Lord doesn't ask for us to be 90% on the back line where it's safe and comfortable. The Lord wants us right up front, ready to engage in the battle. Today we come to be strengthened, we come to celebrate, but we also come to be sent. Are we courageous enough? to say yes to that call? Are we courageous and bold enough to go out and proclaim His faith? Are we willing to be on the front lines of the battle between faith and culture?